Today we talk about attitude. One's authentic personality manifests itself even when no one is looking. The real you is the one at home, with family members, and no outsiders are around. Who you really are, shows up when you're in a strange place and no familiar Christians are around, and you're faced with temptation. For Bruce Banner, the place doesn't matter. You don't want to make him angry. For the believer in Christ, the place doesn't matter either. What is important is how he responds to unpleasant surprises or powerful temptations. Our response will indicate how deep one is in Christ so that our outer self is hidden and subsumed in him. That's also the same as asking ourselves if we've crucified our old person on the cross. Many Christians think that power against temptation can be obtained by appropriating the power of the Holy Spirit. That is really just half the story. Because no man can experience the resurrection power of God without going through Gethsemane and Calvary. No man can experience the outpouring of the Holy Ghost without Calvary and the resurrection. So let's examine this verse that reveals the real source of our inner power, the person who is in every believer. Galatians 2:20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. Crucifixion was the worst death sentence under the Roman Empire. In the Old West, the judges learned a lesson when they handed a sentence of hanging at the scaffold. They had to fine-tune the verdict to hanging at the scaffold until dead because some criminals survived it. Romans 6 6 tells us the purpose of this crucifixion. The carnal, natural eye, the ego, the proud self has to be the subject of the crucifixion. No substitutes are allowed. Even if another Simon the Cyrene presented himself to help you bear your cross, he cannot take your place. The eye must die. It is also not what some radical penitents do every Holy Friday, having themselves crucified, hoping that by this symbolic suffering, their sins would also be pardoned. Yet, it is really dying with Christ, an inward crucifixion that has to happen. What are the behavioral characteristics of a dead person? It is unresponsive. It is insensible to his earthly surroundings. It does not respond to stimuli. No prick, no fire, no shout, no threat can make it react. It is the same as the person who is with Christ. The common image that comes to mind with this phrase is myself superimposed on Christ as he hung on the cross. This would be the natural figuration by the word with. But I would like to think of myself as the repentant thief by his side, who hung with him on that blood-drenched hill. It is possible this thief previously saw and heard Jesus in one of his roadside sermons and teachings before. His word might have made him feel guilty of his sins, but he brushed off that feeling as something he'll think about someday. That day, on that hill, he was treated as a criminal worthy of his misdeeds to society. But when the repentant thief recognized that same holy preacher also hanging on a cross by his side, he might have been amazed why Jesus was being executed like him. Now he saw with his own eyes and heard with his own ears the gracious words that Jesus uttered even under extreme pain. Pain was shooting through his body from all his wounds and vile thoughts of rage towards the Romans filled his mind. But he heard Jesus pray saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Realizing that this man is the Holy One from God, his soul was struck with guilt. He saw himself deserving of the punishment, but certainly not him. When he understood that Jesus was not about to perform the miracle of delivering himself from the cross, and all three of them would really die that day, through all the pain that was shooting from his arms and feet, he gasps words to him, begging for just one thing, remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. Jesus assured him, today, you will be with me in paradise. That criminal died with a smile on his face. I believe that is the essence of being crucified with Christ. It means being condemned with him, dying with him, but leaving earth with forgiveness upon my soul. Nevertheless, I live. 
Dying in Christ doesn't mean losing one's identity or losing one's head. Indeed some Christians have become so spiritual that heathen consider them to be of no earthly use. God does not intend us to stop using our brains and our faculties after salvation, but rather to use them for His purposes and His glory. It is therefore the spiritual eye that finds life after the death of the natural eye. It is this spiritual eye that is living in this old body. This is the very reason every faithful believer is a walking civil war. His natural mind and his flesh lust for the things of this world, but his spirit reaches out to God and cries out to him for help and rescue. That is why it's quite easy to know which side is on the upper hand in a Christian. He who lives for himself is starting to grow his roots again in the earth as an earth dweller. Beloved, read the last chapter of the book again. Remember we are not earth dwellers, Revelation 3:10, but citizens of a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11:10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Revelation 3:10 KJV. May we live our lives as though we lived as though we are on a journey through the desert, slept in a tent, always aware that any moment we will have to pull out the pegs again, fold up the tent, and continue towards our destination. Such a picture might make us think that we won't have time for neighbors, but that was not the case with the Israelites. They also passed through populated cities where they had brief interchange in business with their citizens. Deuteronomy 2:29. What might those natives have thought when they saw those strange Hebrews? It is very much possible that in those limited conversations with the heathen, the Israelites had opportunity to speak of their miraculous deliverance from Egypt and of God's presence with them. It is very much possible that these powerful testimonies were enough to make proselytes of some of the inhabitants of those pagan cities. Yet not I but Christ liveth in me. Paul clarifies his spiritual state further, and this is important, that as our spiritual eye grows and strengthens, Christ manifests himself more and more also. This is the essence of Christ-likeness, the transformation of the spiritual eye and the whole person into the character of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3:18. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. While reading Malachi chapter 3, A group of women in a Bible study came upon a remarkable expression in the third verse, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. One woman was so intrigued that she visited a silversmith and asked the process of refining silver, which the silversmith described to her. "But, sir," she said, "do you sit while the work of refining is going on?" "Oh, yes, ma'am," replied the silversmith. "I must sit with my eyes steadily fixed on the furnace, for if the time necessary for refining is exceeded in the slightest degree, the silver will be injured." The woman at once saw the beauty and comfort of the expression, "He shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver." God sees it needful to put his children into a furnace. His eye is steadily intent on the work of purifying, and his wisdom and love are both engaged in the best manner for us. Our trials do not come at random but are deliberate and measured. As the woman was leaving the shop, the silversmith called her back and said he had forgotten to mention that the only way to know when the purifying process is complete is when he can see his own image reflected in the silver. Malachi 3:3 And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There can be no greater proof of love than this, that Jesus gave his life for our sakes while we were yet sinners. Romans 5:8 How many of us would like to have the kind of faith Jesus has? If God gave Jesus to us that we might be saved, what else would he withhold from us that belong to him? Nothing. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8:32. Therefore, he gives us also his faith. This is the kind of faith that is so powerful that even just a small measure of it is enough to move a mountain.
This is the kind of faith that Hebrews 11:1 describes that Jesus had when he was struggling in Gethsemane. He foresaw in his spirit the substance, the essence, assurance, of things hoped for in the evidence, proof, conviction. Did the Father give a spoiler and allowed Jesus to glimpse the alpha list of all that would put their trust in him because of his obedience? I used to think that it was in Gethsemane that Jesus, the man, saw the amount of the pain, the sufferings, and kind of death he would go through. The imagined pain of it made his humanity to sweat blood and caused him to balk and hesitate. I don't think so now. It was the prospect of the separation from the Father. It was the becoming sin that made him wretch in his gut. The thought of putting upon him all the vileness, all the wickedness, all the abomination man had committed, everything his holy eyes would not even dare observe, would become his. And worse, the Father would turn his gaze away from him. Imagine it this way. A total stranger is in his deathbed. However, by some strange thing, the doctors discover that this dying man can be healed completely if you would drink one liter of the medication instead of him. The only problem with this, is that the medication looks and smells like sewage, complete with all the squirming in the concoction. And this man happens to be a prisoner on death row. The doctors hand you the bottle. The dying man looks at you with eyes that beg. That is your Gethsemane moment. This faith gave him the courage to say, let thy will be done. It was not blind surrender, but total comprehension of the Father's plan after he received the assurance and conviction of what his death would bring about for lost humanity. The faith of God. This is the secret of victory, dying to self and the world, yielding to Jesus, and allowing him to transform us from the inside out, and allowing him to manifest himself in and through us. Are you going through some unpleasant situations that you cannot understand or get a handle on? Are you struggling with carnality, sensuality, allure to earthly riches, wealth, or power? Are you still sensitive to what other people say? Are you finding it difficult to control your thoughts, words, and actions, so that people around you do not know that you're a Christian? When push comes to shove in our lives, who do people see? The Hulk? Or, the Christ? Where do you stand? Friend, do you know where you will end up if you die tonight? Have you settled your debt of sin with God? You see, God has set up His holy standard of how we should live our lives on earth. This standard of morality is in His Word, the Bible. Have you lied before? Have you ever stolen anything? Have you looked on another person with lust in your heart? Have you hated a person? Have you used God's name as a cuss word? If so, even by God's standard, you are a lying thief, an adulterer, murderer and a blasphemer. You can be sure you will end up in hell. But God has provided the solution to your problem. The good news is that Jesus, the Son of God came to earth to pay for your debt of sin by giving His life on the cross of Calvary. He rose again the third day, ascended into heaven, and will return to earth very soon to judge humanity. If any man will believe in him and entrust his life to him, he will be saved just like that repentant thief. I encourage you to come to God right now, humbly ask for his forgiveness of all your sins, and invite Jesus Christ to become your Lord and Savior. Do that right now. If you gave your life to Christ as a result of reading this, let me know. I'll be very happy to help you grow in your faith in God. If you enjoyed this issue, bless others with it, too. Until the next issue, God bless you.